Hey everyone, this is Jonathan Capehart. Welcome to Cape Up. He's back. Michael Steele, the former chairman of the Republican National Committee, who told us in our premiere episode that the GOP needed the Donald Trump presidential nomination. But Trump is now the president-elect of the United States. What on earth does this mean for the nation and its people? Listen to Michael Steele make sense of a political earthquake right now. Michael Steele, welcome back to Cape Up. What up? You were our first guest. You said something that you said several things in that first episode where we were like, what? (laughs) And now here we are. You're after the after the election, <laughs> you're going. Why a president elect? Yeah, Donald J. Trump. Brave new world. Now, one of the things you said that got a lot of attention was the GOP needs Donald Trump's nomination, and you said in that episode that the nomination forced the party to have an uncomfortable conversation with itself and that by nominating him, that conversation would happen sooner rather than later. Unfortunately, to, me, to my mind, <laughs> that conversation is never going to happen, not only because Donald J. Trump is now president-elect of the United States, but because the Senate remains in Republican hands, the House remains firmly in Republican hands. The Supreme Court is about to get one, possibly two, possibly three new justices appointed by President Donald Trump. Am I wrong? Yeah, I think you are. I'm concerned about the people who are very concerned. And And I really think, because I went through this when President Obama won, but on the right side. You know, people sitting in bars with, you know, 12 ounces of bourbon, you know, and and that was a shot, you know, just Mm -hmm. like, just chill. This system that we have is, I don't know, that's why I've always believed that God put his finger on those men and women who who designed this thing in a way that we survive. So let me just say straight up that in answer to your question, the— the Republican Party still has this fight to go through, and they still have this reckoning, because what they've done is they've elected someone who was not of their caste. They were not out of their system, not a part of their milieu. You know, they're not, he's not a Republican in the sense that a Paul Ryan is a Republican or Reince Priebus is a Republican. He is a guy who is a populist. He was able to, as we saw with Bernie Sanders, shake up the system. The difference is his shakeup was more successful than Bernie's. I believe that Donald Trump at the end of the day is going to govern as a pragmatic populist. Here's why. On big ticket items, whether it's infrastructure, whether it's transportation, whether it's health care, whether it's a whole host of things, if he can't get the deal done with Paul Ryan, he's going to work with Nancy Pelosi. He's going to work with Chuck Schumer. And, and that's the flexibility that he has that a traditional Republican presidential um, a president would not have. Uh, be harder for him to do. Uh, and so I, I just kind of look at this and I get the feel externally 
that Donald Trump has has the upper hand here in, mm-hmm. in many respects. And the party is going to come more to him, which will, to the core of your question, really put stress and strain on those fissures that exist within the party. And there will be, I predict, um, some real moments where the party's going to go in one direction and the president's going to want to go in another. And that Republican label is not going to be strong enough to, to hold that hmm. relationship together. You said a lot of things in that answer that I want to get to, but I want to bring you back to the beginning of that answer where you said everyone needs to just chill. Right. Now, I'm one of those people who um, just chill should probably applies to. But here's why people are not chilling, chilling. Mm-hmm. right now. This is a man who ran a racist, xenophobic, misogynistic campaign for president of the United States who mainstreamed white supremacy. And you've got Muslims, African-Americans, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, undocumented immigrants, their American-born children. And mm-hmm. the, list goes on, the list goes on and on and on and on of people who are not just disappointed that Hillary Clinton lost the election. They are frightened and scared about what's to come because mm-hmm. this man talked about banning Muslims from the United States Not and it's still, it's still unclear whether that applies to American-born Muslims. Right. A person who said he was going to have a humane deportation force to deport 11 million people. This is a man who has advocated a national stop-and-frisk policy. These are the reasons why people right now are demonstrating in the streets, why people can't just chill. They're not just disappointed; well, uh, they are frightened. Let, let me let me address what I what I mean by the gesture. I, I don't want to sound flippant and disregarding that. I think legitimate concern and anxiety that people have. My, my I guess my point, and that was my shorthand of saying what I'm about to say, which will be longhand, um, is we don't know. In all honesty, you don't know. What the hell Donald Trump is going to do? And that adds to the, it, it adds to the, it adds to the tension. But he, and that's why I said at the end of the day, I go back to a conversation a long time ago that I had with him, and I asked him, "Why are you running as the man that no one knows?" Because the people who know him saw this caricature and go, "Who are you?" And his response was, "I need to get their attention." So he got their attention. In a big way, right? (laughs) And, of course, the follow-up is, well, there are other ways you can get people's attention. But I I firmly believe, and I watched him yesterday in the Oval Office with with President Obama. I watched him when he was in, um, you know, walking the halls of Congress. His demeanor has changed. So the video of the the meeting between President Obama and President-elect Trump was fascinating because yeah. I knew that meeting was going to be what what I had said on MSNBC a frightening meeting for for Trump because he walking into that office will suddenly feel the weight oh my of this yep. office not just you know the power of it but the responsibilities and Absolutely. obligations that come with it and you saw you saw it on his face there is no way he was not freaked out <laughs> by what he had just heard from the president of the United States in a meeting that was supposed to last from what i understand like 10 minutes, 10 minutes. it went 90. 90 90 minutes and i watched him I, i'm a guy who loves body language and facial expressions so i watched him 
and you hit the right word, the words, the weight. You walk into that Oval Office, Oval Office as a visitor, that's one thing. You walk in there as the next president, that's a whole different thing. I can guarantee you that Donald Trump's eyes got biggest saucers when he sat down the morning after that uh, election, and he got the full, the full intelligence, intelligence briefing. briefing. Not the clip notes, not the sort of, oh, just so you know what's going on. The full intelligence briefing on everything from the border to the Middle East. And you could see it on his face. His demeanor was serious. And in watching him, I couldn't help but think Donald Trump probably in that moment was realizing I didn't have to run the kind of campaign I ran. I didn't have to go to those those darker crevices um, because there is something aspirational about this place hmm. that I could I could have spoken to. He did with the whole slogan, you know, make America great again. But then he kind of veered off into this other space that was not so great for America. And I, I just watched him walk in the halls, that demeanor, the seriousness on his face, the way he approached uh, the press um, tells me that he now is beginning to realize um, he's got to try to figure out how to put that genie, that ugly genie, that underbelly genie back in the bottle some kind of way, or at least control it, because governing is going to require him to govern from a, a place of aspiration, not division, not uh, misogyny, not xenophobia, not racism. I may be projecting too much, and I'm willing to do that in the faith that I think the man I know gets sitting there next to President Obama and having, as you noted, a 10-minute meeting go to 90 minutes. I would love to have been a fly on that wall. Really? I mean... Just from the initial impression when the doors first close. Because we know these two men who have never met each other can't stand each other. Mm -hmm. And yet President Obama, by the time they got in front of those cameras, showed what presidents do in handing over, doing transition. And, and oddly enough, Donald Trump shows what incoming presidents do. He spoke graciously of the president, even as far as saying that I will look for his counsel. It told me a lot in, that, mm -hmm. in those sound bites and in those clips that the Donald Trump we saw on the campaign trail is not the Donald Trump, I've said it before, that I know, but instead... This is the guy I think is going to be the pragmatic populist president. And you and you you know the other thing that shone through in that sit down that we never saw during the campaign, humility. Thank you. It's there. It's all there. And that's why I say to folks, you know, and again, I want to go back to the top of what I said. I don't want to be dismissive and say everybody chill. I show your passion. I get that. Get that out of your system. But that's why I also say I am more hopeful. Um, because of that humility. It's coming through. I think you're going to, this has been a sobering realization for him in so many ways. And I think the country will be the beneficiary. Again, it's not to say that we won't have tough times. It's not to say that the campaign, or that he will, his administration may say or do something stupid and piss people off. Um, that happens. That's the normal course. But the way he handles that in those moments. I think becomes important. What I hope at the top of this whole thing is that the new president 
finds a way to bring some stability, bring some peace, bring the noise down, bring the pressure down. Um, I don't think if he, you know, if he, let's just use the strong words, if he backtracked, flip-flopped, whatever you want to call it, on any of the issues you listed from immigration to health care, et cetera, um, I don't think he's going to get beat up about that. I don't think people are going to go, well, you said you were going to deport 11 million people. Mm-hmm. Now, some alt-right, far-right folks may, but that's not the mainstream. That's not the mainstream of the GOP. That's not the mainstream of, of the country. Those folks, those extremes are always going to be displeased because you're ne- unless, you, unless you are you know, tattooing people and, and you know, sending them off to camps, they're not going to be happy. Of all the things you said in that first answer, when you said you think that Donald Trump as president will govern as a pragmatic populist, that was the one hopeful thing I have heard since, well, this entire campaign, right. but <laughs> definitely since election night. That Republican, the label doesn't matter, and doesn't that matter. if he can't get a deal with Paul Ryan, he will work with Nancy Pelosi. Absolutely. I mean, oh, Oh, my God, that sounds like governing. Well, and, and here's – I'll give you an example. Donald Trump is serious about the nation's infrastructure. I know that. I know that from the people around him. He thinks and feels that it, we, we are embarrassed. Keep in mind, he's projecting his own sort of you know, sense of self mm-hmm. when it comes to these types of things. When he talks about flying into LaGuardia Airport, when he talks about – you know, other airports in our country. He talks about our rail system, and he compares it to the places he's been, Mm -hmm. these places that are supposed to be, you know, not the same level level of stature as the United States, yet you could eat off the floors in their airports, Mm -hmm. and it's, you know, that kind of thing. That bothers him. That really bothers him. So he's serious about um, bringing to the table a strategy and, and plan that will address in a substantive way over a period of time these big infrastructure issues. So it will not surprise me, and it's kind of hearing in the background, to see him present a $1 trillion infrastructure package. Now, you, the look on your face is wow. the look, the look on your face is the look a lot of Republicans are going to have. Like, it's, what? What? <laughs> yeah. But it would well, not surprise me to see him do that. Um, Donald Trump is going to do big things. He's going to do them in a big way because that's how he sees Mm -hmm. the world. That's how he sees himself. And the one thing that underscores everything that I know about him and have seen about him and have read about him, including his book, um, is he does not believe in failure. And this election is a prime well, example yeah, of that. that. That is a prime. It is it's a prime, a prime example. example of that. Because no matter how 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 much he got knocked down, how much he was criticized, and how much he put his own foot in his mouth, a foot like up was, to the femur. I was. I won't. I have. I have. I well, look. Let me. I'm going to say I'm a, that. I'm going to knock you off <laughs> off your stride there and ask on the one trillion dollar thing. Where's that money going to come from? Well, that's that's where the fight's going to be. Right. How's he going to pay for that? That's going to be that's and the fight. still have the tax cuts that's for the, the rich fight. and that's do the all fight. these things. That's the fight, and that's where that's where the deals get made. Look, I remember. I don't know if I said it the first time I was on the podcast, but I'll say it here. The one thing I think folks need to understand about Donald Trump, in which they they didn't get in this election, and there's a there's a great quote about him that was written by um, a writer, and I forget her name. Uh, where she said that Donald Trump, you know, people 
took Donald what Donald Trump said and did seriously. Uh, you, you, I, you were, I know, I know, the, I know the quote that you're talking yeah. about. People took him l- literally, literally and, right, and the yeah, media didn't take him seriously. seriously. And, and his people took him seriously, not literally, not literally, right, right. So that's why his folks never got all jacked up. What you need to know about the man is, Don, for Donald Trump, every deal is a negotiation, and every negotiation is renegotiable. And we saw examples of that where on issues of foreign policy or taxes or whatever the issue was during the campaign, he would come out and say something one day, read something, learn something, someone say something else to him, and that made more sense. And he was like, yeah, okay, we can do that. And people were like, well, you know, they tried to throw the flip-flop label on him. He was Mm -hmm. like, you know, I I changed my mind. And actually, people found that refreshing because it was most politicians don't do that. They don't expose themselves that way because they're supposed to be all knowing and all seeing and all full of BS. Right. The fact of the matter is he kind of came at this and went, well, if I get new information that supersedes what I already know, why would I stay with what I know if what I've just learned is better? That all sounds reasonable and 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 fight fight <laughs> right and all that. <laughs> I'm just and again, this is based on the man that I've worked right, with, right? And, and and so that's why for me, the frustration was: why are you putting out this caricature? Why are you why are you saying these things? Donald Trump was a Democrat for most of his oh, adult yeah. life. All right, no, a New York City Democrat, a New York City Democrat. What does that tell you? Well, it tells me it tells me a whole lot. Okay, do you but, remember the interview Donald Trump did back in 1998 when he was talking about the presidency? No. Okay, he, go look it up. He did an interview in 1998 when he was talking about the possibility of running for the presidency one day. And he said, "Yeah, if I ever run for the presidency, I'd run I'd run as a Republican because they'll believe anything." And you know, I always thought that that was just something made up on no. the interwebs, no. and people were trying to get me to focus on it. And I was like, mm, "I don't know about this. I got no. other stuff to do." But that that was true. <laughs> Look, I understand a lot of a lot of Republicans um, who, you know, I would say are serious, uh, understand what what we have in this man. And I never pretended for a moment that Donald Trump was Ronald Reagan. Mm -hmm. That's true. I never I never even pretended for a moment he was Richard Nixon. Okay, Um, he's more like Andrew Jackson in many respects, you know. In the sense that he's outside, so far outside that mainstream of political, you know, thought and action and, mm-hmm. and all of that uh, structure, um, that he becomes he becomes uh, exciting to the masses and a threat to everyone else, and that's how this has played out. And now he's going to have a chance, I think, to, um, and I think the first thing is to do settle the noise. Um, and and begin to focus on building an administration that addresses the big problems that we have. People are concerned, and, and again, one of Hillary Clinton's problems was she was never never able to convince people that she could take the the country in the right direction, because the right track wrong track numbers were seventy percent right. against her, and obviously seventy percent against him. I mean, he had to make that case. He made the case better than she did. Mm-hmm. And and as you know, as I like to say, on election night, Donald Trump was pulling white 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 men out of his ass. I don't know where they were coming. Well, you, I mean, they were a, coming from. I was like, you, but I'm not, I, at the same time, I wasn't surprised. I had a, I got into a big thing with Edwin Edwin Dell, the former governor of of Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. 
mayor of Philadelphia, uh, DNC chairman, who was talking about all this concentration in Philadelphia and how Philadelphia and the and the suburb, suburbs around it were just going to pull. I looked at him. I said, no. I said, because you got all those white boys up there in, in the north and the western parts of Pennsylvania. They're going to vote. And they're going to vote in numbers. One. Two. The second piece that hurt her were black folks really just stayed home. Hey there, it's Carol, the producer here. Tune in next Tuesday for part two of Jonathan's conversation with Michael Steele. They get into how race played a role in this election. In the meantime, if you're enjoying K-pop, do us a favor and share it with a friend or a family member. And also remember to rate and review us on iTunes. You can also follow Jonathan on Twitter at KPartJ. 